No, we'll start. We'll start at seven. That's we'll start at seven. We will start at seven. The um, tie into the parsha, uh, the topic that we're going to deal with, is um, the first source on the source sheets available uh, up front next to the drinks, where the um, parsha Pinchas after the episode of Pinchas and that act of zealotry that occurs in parsha Pinchas where, uh, where Pinchas takes the law into his own hands and, uh, and extrajudiciously kills Cosby and Zimri. Afterwards, there's a couple of other episodes uh, that uh, are discussed. And then a bulk of the end of the Parsha deals with Karbono, various sacrifices that are brought. And in the, in, the, in the mix of those, for instance, one of the famous Karbonot that are brought on days other than weekdays, Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh and holidays, is the carbon Musaf, which literally means the additional, the additional carbon. Right? So you have the additional carbon of the carbon Musaf. And the Pasuk says that the Musaf carbon is offered, Milvat Olat Boker, Asher Leolat Hatamit That you shall offer these up, shall offer these Musaf carbonot up which is offered um, besides the burnt offering. Besides the morning burnt offering, which is offered as a continual uh, korban. Right, so the, the, the wording of the, of the, um, of the Pasuk says that there's a, that, that, the, that the primary korban is a korban tamid, and then additionally, on different days, the carbon tamid was offered twice a day, once in the morning, once in the afternoon. And in addition to those karbonot uh, of the daily nature, you have the special musaf sacrifices. So for instance, on Shabbos, you bring a carbon musaf, in addition to the carbon tamid, in addition to the, uh, the, 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 the carbon that's brought, on a continual, constant basis. And the Mishnah in Zvachim says that we learn from here uh, that, that, that we might have thought, and this is a point that I like to make, I'll make it at the beginning and I'll make it at the end. We are accustomed to think that those things that are special, those things that occur infrequently, those things that occur uh, once a year, are the things that are most important. And what the, the halachot concerning karbanot and the, the topic of this evening's learning is that from a Jewish perspective, the opposite is, just, is true. That consistency, that which we do day in, day out, takes a primary importance. And so that's why if you look at, uh, and that's what's learned from this pasuk, that whatever other karban you're going to offer, if you're going to offer a karban musaf, if you're going to offer other karbanot in honor of special days, it is built, it's not instead of the daily, constant, continuous carbon. It's in addition to. And what we'll see is that um, when, there's a, when there's a conflict, when there's a need to prioritize, what will win out in terms of a prioritization will be that which is tadir. Tadir in Hebrew is a Hebrew word which means constant or more continuous compared to the other value or carbon or mitzvah or prayer or situation. And tonight is a, is, a, is a mashup of various scenarios where you have a conflict between two mitzvah, between two, situa- between two ideas in one situation where you have to prioritize one over the other. And how do you do so? Which wins out? And oftentimes what we'll see is that that which is more tadir is that which wins out that which is more consistent and constant. And that's what the Mishnah in Zvachim tells us. Kol ha-tadir mechavero, kodem et Right, so all things being equal, that's going to be important because we're going to throw in another variable that confuses, that, 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 that muddies the waters a little bit. But if all things are equal, like we're talking about carbonot that are of similar sanctity, similar importance. So the carbon that comes first is the carbon that is the more consistent, the more frequent carbon that's offered, right? Any offering that is more frequent than the other precedes that offering. And therefore, I switch to the English, Zavachim 89a, therefore the daily offerings 
precede the Musaf offerings, which are set because the daily offering, the Tamid is offered every day, really twice a day, and the Musaf offerings are only offered on special days. And similarly, when Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh coincide, you're going to have to offer two Musaf offerings, two additional offerings. Which one comes first? So the answer is Shabbos comes first. The additional Shabbat offering precedes the additional Rosh Chodesh offering. And likewise, uh, we know that there are two uh, on Rosh Chodesh, which is Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is also Rosh Chodesh. So there's a special carbon for Rosh Hashanah. There's also carbon for Rosh Chodesh. Which one do you offer first? Well, Rosh Chodesh happens 12 times a year. Well, really more than that, because there's two days of Rosh Chodesh certain times. Right? And, uh, and, um, and, and Rosh Hashanah happens once a year. So we might think Rosh Hashanah is more special. We should do that first. The answer is no. Call hatader mechavero. Kodem et chavero. Whatever is more frequent, what happens more often, that is what uh, takes precedence, priority. Um, the, the, the Rambam notes for us that there's another factor. The Gemara in Zvachim continues to throw a, uh, a, uh, a complexity into the equation. Those, those, if we're dealing with carbonate, so the carbon that is more frequent is the carbon that is offered first. What if you have carbonate of varying degrees of sanctity? Right? A, a, a carbon that is mikudash mechavero. We know that if you, the, in the morning, right after the morning brachot, there's a section of carbonate. And in that section of carbonate, there's a paragraph there's a chapter of Mishnayot called Ezehu Mekoman Shel Zvachim. It talks about all, many of the karbanot that are offered. And different karbanot are, are, have a different degree of sanctity, as is evident from how many sprinklings of blood is required on the Mizbeach of that sacrifice. What's the duration of time you have to eat the sacrifice, if you're allowed to eat that sacrifice. So we know that there is a hierarchy of sanctity when it comes to carbonate. What if you have two carbonate that are that vary in terms of their sanctity? So the Mishnah doesn't use this language, but the poskim and the commentators use this language, just as kol hatadir mechavero, kodem et chavero, the first words of the Mishnah Zvachim, just as we, we said that that which is more frequent is that which gets priority, so too kol hamekudash mechavero, Kodem et chavero. That language is not in the Gemara, but it is uh, in the Rambam. Right? That anything that is, if we look at the third source, the Rambam and the laws of Tamidim, which are the laws of Karbanot, says, Kol hatadr mechavero, kodem et chavero, which is a direct quote from the Mishnah above. Any, the f- more frequent uh, ritual, or specifically Karban in this case, is that which comes first. V'chein. Also, all things being equal, but if we're dealing with carbonate, but one carbon is ranked as being more holy, right? As being uh, more, uh, more sanctified, that is the one that comes first. Right? If you look uh, in, the, in the Rambam, it's the third English line. I gave you just a snippet of the Hebrew and the entire halacha in the English. First they would offer the, this is a quote from the Mishnah above, right? First they would offer the additional offering for Shabbat, then the additional offering of the Rosh Chodesh, of the new moon, then the additional offering of the festival, especially Rosh Hashanah. The rationale is that any offering brought more frequently than another takes precedence over the other. Similarly, if an offering is on a higher level of holiness, referred to as Kol HaMekudosh Mechavero, than another one, it, the one that is more holy, takes precedence over it. Right? So we have Two equations. Frequency wins, wins out. And sanctity wins out. But now you get to the finals. Right? So what about frequency? One is more frequent. Two carbonate. One is more frequent. One is more holy. One is tadir. One is mekudash. So what happens there? You have a conflict of values. So what does the Rambam say? If one has a choice of an offering that is brought more frequently... Last lines of that Rambam. And one which is on a higher level of holiness, one may award precedence to whichever one desires. To draw. Take your pick. There's reason to choose one or the other. Frequency is an important value. 
Sanctity, higher levels of sanctity is a, uh, an important value, but it doesn't, there's no clear winner. No, so in the case of carbon, you have an option, opportunity to offer both these carbon out. You can offer either one that you'd, that you'd like. <coughs> now, there seems to be an indication. For, let's look at this next, uh, this next quote from a Talmud Yerushalmi. And um, I, I didn't have it easily available in English, so I'll, I'll translate it for you. And you tell me um, which... Um, well, let's do it outside, and then you tell me, based on the factors that we've laid out, which, which of these values seems to have the upper hand and the priority in this case. This is, that, this is that famous case where you have a high priest and a Nazir, a Kohen Gundel and a Nazir, walking down the road, both of whom are on an elevated, exalted status of sanctity, both of whom are not allowed to, under normal circumstances, um, contract spiritual impurity, they're not allowed to come into contact with the corpse or the, a dead body, and lo and behold, they're walking down the road and they find a corpse with no one to bury it, and now one of them has to contract tumor, one has to become tamemate. So the Kohen Gadol and the Nazir, right? So, so, uh, so, so the Gemara says that uh, the, the Talmud Yerushalmi says, Kohen Gadol and a Nazir, Sheitame Nazir. Valitame Kohen Gadol. That if you have a Kohen Gadol and a Nazir, right, the Nazir is the one that, um, that uh, becomes, uh, that becomes, uh, um, uh, that becomes, uh, contract, contracts spiritual impurity. So when, so, well, right. Well, let's think about it. If, if we're looking at the, the paradigm of one being more frequent and one being more holy, how does that match up here? Which one remains a status? Uh, which one has a, 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 an elevated status of Kedusha? The Kohen Gadol or the Nazir? Well. No, but what, what, about, what about close relatives? What, does a Kohen Gadol contract for t- uh, a Tuma for a close relative? The answer is yes. Right? His children, right? His parents, etc. A Nazir, not. So it is, it is, it is, the Nazir is on a higher spiritual level from the perspective of contracting Tumat Mate. And therefore, from that, uh, from that, uh, from that value, he should, uh, he should, he should, the, 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 the Nazir, uh, should not contract it, and the Kohen Gadol uh, should. On the other hand, who is more frequently um, uh, uh, the, the status? A Nazir is anybody. Anybody, but how long is it? A, no, a Stam Nazir is 30 days. 30 days, a shorter period of time, correct. The Kohen Gadol is more long. So which one wins out? So we say at, in the, on the, on the uh, underlying lines, Tadir Umakudash, Tadir Kodem. That if you have this conflict between something which is, which is ongoing and something which is on an elevated status, the frequency is that which wins out. Frequency is king. Constancy, consistency is that which wins out. So although the Rambam seems to say that it's a draw, the difference between Tadr and Makudash, nonetheless, there seems to be indications elsewhere. For instance, this Gemara, this Talmud Yerushalmi and Nazir, that when there's a face-off between values of something which is elevated in sanctity versus something that is elevated because of its frequency, frequency is, is more important. And we have, uh, uh, there's a number of, of interesting um, derivations and, and permutations of this that we're going to go into. But first, let's try, to, uh, let's try to define our terms of what it means to be Makudash. What exactly does it mean to be an elevated status of sanctity? Right, we've given one example, but is there a, is there a broader um, uh, definition that can be applied in other circumstances? So for instance, Rabbi Akiva Eger, in the third to last source, um, talks about, a, 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 talks about a, a scenario of uh, a conflict, or not really a conflict, but you have two obligations placed on a person, and the question is, which one does he or she fulfill first? Right? In this case, it's, um, well, let's read it in the Hebrew. 
Achal davar. A person eats uh, something. He didn't wash, but he eats something. Um, uh, and he's obligated to make an after blessing. And before he made the after blessing, they, uh, the person went to the bathroom. So now they have an obligation to make a Asher Yatsar and, a, uh, and, an, and an after blessing. So the, the Rebbe Kivayger says, First you say your Asher Yatsar, and then you say your after blessing. The Magin Avram points out, uh, this, is, this is a quote from the Magin Avram. If you skip to the next line, the second word, the question is, let's say you washed and made hamotzi, and you have to bench, and then you use the restroom. So now you have an obligation of asher yatsar, and you have an obligation of an after-blessing of birkat hamazon. Why is that different? Well, we know, as we see, birkat hamazon has the potential of being a Torah obligation. It's one of the few Torah obligated blessings. If you eat and you're satisfied, you have to bench. You have to say Birkat HaMazon. It's one of Achalta, Savata, Veirachta. One of the few blessings that are mentioned in the Torah. So the question is, what happens if you have the obligation to recite two blessings, but these blessings are on different different, uh, levels? One's a Torah obligation to recite Birkat HaMazon after a sandwich. uh, And the other is a certainly an important bracha of Asher Yatsar, but it is a rabbinic, uh, rabbinic institution. Uh, so which one, which one do we, uh, do we say, do we say that Birkat HaMazon comes first because it's somehow Mekudash, it's, it's elevated in sanctity because it's a, it's obligation is of Torah origin. Right, what, what, do you, do you say Asher Yatsar more off, more frequently, or do you bench? Certainly if you are uh, off carbs. <laughs> Certainly if you're off carbs. Uh, but the assumption is, is that Asher Yatsar is more frequent. Even those people who would eat one or two, um, uh, one or two, um, you know, bread meals a day, there, there'd be more opportunities for Asher Yatsar. Um, and, and, and the, and the Rebbe Kivager suggests this is dependent on the discussion we had earlier in Zvachim. Right? And in the Rambam, who talks about this, this uh, tension, right? this face-off between that which is on an elevated status, Mekudash, versus something that's on a t- more frequent status, uh, Tadir. Um, and um, you also have the loophole with benching, that you have a certain amount of time, and it's like 30 minutes or... So you're saying, if, right, so again, what we'll see is that's why I preface by saying all things being equal. You're sort of hinting at the fact, let's say, if you did one blessing, you would lose the opportunity for the other blessing in some way, right? And that, so does that play a role? We're going to get to it. But we're assuming that all options are on the table and will continue to be on the table. The question is just precedence. Which one comes first? And, and so at the end, he quotes the Rambam who says, in that case, it's, it's a dealer's choice. You can choose whatever you want to do, you can do, because both have a value. One is, Birkat HaMazon has a value because it's of a Torah origin, and Asher Yatsar has a value, although it's of rabbinic origin, nonetheless, it's more frequent, it's Tadir, and therefore you can choose either one uh, that you like. But here we see that a, 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 a expression of Mekudash, of something being on an elevated status, according to Rabbi Kiva Eger, is that its origin is of Torah uh, Torah origin, as opposed to many more, many of the other brachot, which are of rabbinic uh, of rabbinic origin. Uh, here's another, an interesting uh, face-off. By the way, not everyone agrees to Vager. Some suggest that, that you can't really talk about mekudash, something being of an elevated status, when you're talking about Torah obligations versus rabbinic. That compared to Torah obligations, rabbinic are on a status of reshut. I'm not going to get into it. But Rabbi Kiva Eger is an, an, an interesting approach and helps us concretize uh, what the Rambam had mentioned uh, before. The, another face-off, second-to-last source in, uh, on side number one, Tefillin versus Mezuzah. We know that both are written on a scroll, on a parchment, 
by a scribe in a specific uh, fashion, and both um, both cost money, right? Let's say you can't afford both. Which one do you do? Now, purely from the perspective of frequency, of tadir, we would, which one is more tadir? Is mezuzah more tadir, more frequent, or is tefillin more tadir? Mezuzah, right? Because we know that tefillin, besides the fact that only men wear tefillin and women don't, but let's put that on the side. Let's talk about a man's obligation to buy tefillin versus to buy mezuzah. Mezuzah is obligated day and night. Mezuzah is obligated all seven days a week, 365 days a year. Tefillin are not obligated at night, nor on Shabbos and Yantif. So, right, that too. Um, the, uh, but purely from the perspective of Tadir, for everyone, for men and women, it would seem that uh, mezuzah wins out. However, look what the Shulchan Aruch says, if a person is not of financial means at that moment, is in need of both, and is not able to uh, afford both, tefillin and mezuzah, yiknet tefillin. Right? If it's a man, obviously, he buys tefillin below mezuzah, not mezuzah. What happened to Tadir? What happened to our calculation? That frequency and consistency is that which wins out, is that which win, wins the day, the answer is the mitzvah shehi chovat haguf adifa, because tefillin mezuzah you put on your house, but tefillin you put on your body. It is no longer right. Remember we said all things being equal, right? So the, 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 the what has been decided is that there, there's a way of of pushing uh, tefillin up a status level by mere fact that it is something that we bind, that men bind onto their bodies, as opposed to something which you place on your, on your, uh, on your door. It's, more, it's a more intimate ritual. And as such, it, it, uh, it, it, it gains a level of, of, of importance that otherwise would not be there to the extent that it can override the more frequent mitzvah of, or, or precede, let's say, it doesn't override, that's imprecise. It precedes the, the more frequent mitzvah of, uh, of mezuzah. So we see, um, we see this, um, we see that the notion that frequency uh, is, is, uh, uh, takes precedence is only when the mitzvah are considered of the same caliber. And there are a number of different ways in which mitzvot can be prioritized or given greater importance or gravitas or, uh, or standing, one of which uh, is described in the Shulchan Aruch, chovat haguf, versus a chova on, that's a mitzvah, a ritual that's put on the body versus a, a ritual that is for here placed on the, placed on the wall. Yes? It's a couple. A young married couple doesn't have a lot of money. Right. And the the needs Does the wife acquiesce and agree to? Well, the question would become, whose money is it? Well, it's joint. It's joint, right? That's a good question. It would seem. It would seem. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we're, we, you know, we're, we are. Again, it's hard to. Hard, hard to, you know, we're dealing with one person with two obligations. If you have two people with two obligations, that makes things a little bit more, uh, uh, more, more, more unclear because then you have to weigh both of the both of the factors. So we, we would hope, we would hope, yeah, but you're right, you're just avoiding it. But it's a, it's it, it's definitely a fair, it's definitely a fair question. What about the fact that all that's below? Are in place the corporate right. And therefore, okay, we'll see. We'll see the the order of 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 tefillah is a toast and bracha that we're going to do. So we'll 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 see where that where, where that plays out. Here's another situation: Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, Hanukkah. Three Torahs, always a favorite day of mine. So we read from three Torahs: the Parsha Shavua. Uh, a seventh aliyah from Rosh Chodesh, 
Pinchas, this week's Parsha actually, and Hanukkah you read from, uh, you read from um, Parsha at Naso during the Hanukkah and HaMizbeach, the um, dedication of the, of the Mizbeach at the end of Parsha Naso. So the Magen Avram here says that obviously the, the question is which, which, what's the order of, of readings? Obviously Parsha Shavuot comes first. The question then is what comes next? So we quote the Shulchan Aruch that says, Basheni from the second Torah, Kore Echad Bashal Rosh Chodesh. Read one Aliyah for Rosh Chodesh. And uh, here the Magen Avram says, Detadir Kodem. That what, what, is more, uh, what is more frequent, the Rosh Chodesh reading or the Hanukkah readings? Rosh Chodesh. Right? There's more Rosh Chodesh readings than there are Hanukkah readings, and that's why, that, therefore it's more frequent. That formulation may come up into question, but let's deal with it for now. But the Magen Avram continues and suggests, Umaftir, what about the Maftir? Right? You read, um, um, you, the, the, more, the, more, the more typical Maftir should be either, either the Maftir of Rosh Chodesh, which is normally the way we do it, uh, when there's a Rosh Chodesh on Shabbos, you read the, the Maftir, the Haftorah, for Rosh Chodesh. So what about here? So here the Magen Avram says, even though we give priority to the Torah reading for Rosh Chodesh, when it comes time to read the Haftorah, the selection from the prophets, we, we choose the one that is more related to Hanukkah. Right? So Hanukkah wins out. And why? So the Magen Avram gives us another, another, uh, another rule to utilize when we're trying to figure out the rankings in these uh, matchups, right? Because when we say kodem, when we say that frequency takes priority, takes precedence, when we talk about frequency taking precedence, it's specifically precedence, meaning when the other one will be read or the other value will be expressed. Not when the other value will be uh, displaced, right? You can only, in the case of the Torah readings, the question is which one comes second, but the, the other one will be read third, right? So Rosh Chodesh comes first because Hanukkah can then be read third. So, uh, second, Rosh Chodesh can be second because Hanukkah can then be read third. But in the case of the Maftir, the case of the Haftorah, the, the section of Navi, you're only going to read one. And you're not going to read the other. So when we talk about Tadir being Kodem, frequency takes priority. Priority means the other one is going to find expression. If it's not going to find expression, then the rule no, is not applicable. And therefore, you can, uh, therefore there, there are other factors that will go into which Haftorah is being read. One of the factors is Hanukkah has this very uh, great emphasis placed on Pursume Nisa. Right? Publicizing miracle, publicizing the miracle of Hanukkah, publicizing God's role in the world, but especially during that Greek period, right? And, and, and that, 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 that will uh, be the deciding factor in which Haftorah is read. We no longer work with frequency. We work with Pirsuminisa. Why, no why are we not applying the rule? Because the rule only applies when that which loses out to frequency is going to find expression. And here, it's not going to find expression. You, you can read, you're going to read both the Rosh Chodesh reading and the Hanukkah reading. You're only going to read one Haftorah, and therefore the whole factor of Tadir, of frequency, is no longer the only consideration or even the primary consideration, or the consideration that wins out. The... Um, the <coughs> another another place where this uh, comes up, if you look on side two of the uh, source sheet, is talis and tefillin. Right, for uh, men are obligated to pray weekdays with talis and tefillin in the mornings, and the question is, um, the question is, um, which one do you put on first? Right. So we already said that tefillin has a Tefillin is less frequent than talis, right? You wear a, ta- a man wears a talis on Shabbos and Yantif. He doesn't wear a tal- uh, He doesn't wear tefillin. 
But we already saw, right, that maybe tefillin has, a, has an added uh, value to it because you wrap it on your, on your body. Well, talus also you wrap on your body, but the Gemara doesn't talk about talus in, the, in that way. But we see that it actually plays out the way we would have expected. Right? So you see on the top of page 2, Achar shalavash talit mitsuyats yoniach tefillin. So first you put on a talis, and then you put on tefillin. Right? And that, and that makes sense based on what we know. Based on what we know that tadir v'sheno tadir. Talis is worn every day. Tefillin is worn almost every day, all weekdays. And therefore, talis first. The Ramah adds a, adds a caveat, an important factor to keep in mind. That tadir v'sheno tadir, that frequency takes priority... When the other mitzvah or korban or ritual is, is, is available at the same time. When both are available at the same time. However, what if you have tefillin in front of you and, and he doesn't have his talis? Does he have to wait for his talis in order to put on tefillin? So there we say no. Because right? again, the, the, the matchup where frequency wins out is where... All things being equal, part of that equality is that they're both in front of you. And that's what the Ramah says. The notes, Ramosh Yisraelis, the notes on the Shulchan Aruch, says, If you have tefillin and ready on hand, and you don't have a talus, don't wait for the, you don't wait for your talus. Put on your tefillin, and when talus becomes available, you wear your talus. So here's another factor as we paint the picture of what it really means that frequency wins out. Again, it's, it's, it's in broad strokes, all things being equal. But the, the detail here is that if, if the frequent uh, item or ritual is not available at the same time as the less frequent one is, we don't delay. We put on the tefillin. So even if it means putting on the talus a little bit later, even if the talus is considered the more frequent uh, of the mitzvot. The, um, <coughs> another, another situation where this comes up is um, on sukkahs. On sukkahs when it comes to shaking the mitzvah of lulav. The mitzvah of lulav compared to the mitzvah of prayer. Which one is more frequent? Prayer. Prayer is every day. Every day. Lulav is uh, seven days. And that's, that, that's reflected in, in, in the Shulchan Arach. When we say, the second source on the side too, Shacharit. In the morning, Achar Chazara Tzvilah, after the Chazan's repetition of the Amidah. Notlin Alulav Mavarchin. That's when you take the Lulav, you make the bracha on it, and you shake it. You say Al Natilat Lulav. On the first day, the first time you take it that year, you say Shechianu, and then Gomri Mahalel, and then you say full Halal every day of Sukkot. It's, a, it's also convenient because we know that Halal uh, sh- should be recited with your Lulav and Etrog. Right? So, so, so the timing is, is, is correct, and, it's, uh, and, the th- and, and thematically it works. The timing is correct because Tzvila prayer is more frequent. And frequency takes priority. So you should pray first. Then you take your little bit of prayer. Essential prayer is Shmon Esrei. And when you're in a minion, it's the repetition of the Amidah, Shmon Esrei as well. And then you take the Lulav at the first available moment after Tzfilah. And that leads us right into Hallel when we're supposed to shake the Lulav and Etrog anyway, right? So it kind of works out, kind of makes sense. Um, there is a practice to ignore frequency, and to take Lulav and Esrog at, the, at an earlier moment, before davening, right? And this is, this is reflected, the Bikura Yaakov, which is a commentary on the Shulchan Arach, on this halacha, points out that already the Bach, who, was a, a com- who, who uh, precedes the Shulchan Arach, he comments on the tour, he says... Um, <coughs> even though the other mitzvot on other holidays 
take place after prayers, after davening. But Sukkot, Mashkimin, uh, or even if normally on, on Yontav you would daven a little later, on Sukkot you would daven, get up early, Mishum's reason, Magdimin, Lamitzvah, Lulav. There's this idea that I've given Shiran in the past. Zrizut tells us to get do the mitzvah at its earliest moment. Right? That's why brises, circumcisions, are generally in the uh, in the Orthodox world in the morning. Right? It's not. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's 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 not uh, invalid to do it in the afternoon, so long as it's during the day. But typically, people do it in the morning. Some people are very careful to do it at the first minion possible. Right? You've got to get up the baby and the mother early in the morning. Right? But most people, it's most common to have it in the morning because of Zrizin Magdivin Lamitzvah. We know that Avraham, when he went to offer his son Yitzchak in Akedat Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac, got up early in the morning. Vayash came Avraham Baboker. So we, when we enter into the covenant of Abraham, so our child, we also do it early in the morning. And the Bikur Yaakov says that applies to other mitzvot as well, including the mitzvah of lulav, v'lachain, and therefore, ma'ash enoagin anshem aysa, lito lulav v'shachrit kodem alicha l'beit ha'kneset, b'sokom min ha'kosherhu. So he's defending the practice of some to make the bracha lulav and etrog in their sukkah before they leave for shul. Okay? Because of the idea of zrizut to, to do the mitzvah that you that in this case before and ignore the fact that it's less frequent than prayer, and he says that it's a minha kasher, it's a it's a it's a viable and uh, and, and and respectable custom. Because there's a couple of factors going on here. Number one, there was a kabbalistic idea of connecting the mitzvah of lulav with the mitzvah of sukkah. And unlike us here in Hollywood, most shuls didn't have a sukkah. It was people's homes that had a sukkah. There, was a period, there, there are locations, my brother lives in Manhattan, most shuls have a sukkah and most people don't have a sukkah. But historically, most people had a sukkah, most shuls did not have a sukkah. So if you wanted to shake Lulav and Etrog uh, and fulfill this Kabbalistic uh, hitter, uh, on the mitzvah to do it in the sukkah with your lulav and etrog, you'd have to do it at home. But he says beyond that, there's also the fact that uh, but also because of this idea that there's a value in, in uh, getting up early, right? And, and, and wanting to do the mitzvah at its first, at its earliest time uh, possible. So here too we see that on a basic level, the Shulchan Aruch quotes the halacha that Tadir Vishenu Tadir Tadir Kodem. You have prayer, you have the mitzvah of lulav. The mitzvah of lulav will, will take, the mitzvah of prayer will take priority because they're both in front of you. They're of equal stature. Do the mitzvah of tefillah first. But, we, but, but then the commentary tells us that the other way may also be legitimate because of these other, because of these other factors. I wonder... If the fact that we have a if we have a sukkah on premises, so you can do it after tefillah before halal, although it's going to be a problem now because the door that everyone liked to use is now for emergency exit only. That's gonna you know, we're gonna to have to go back to the Bikura Yaakov, and if you want to, you can go all the way around. But uh, anyway, lots of so here too. There's there's we're we're being consistent, but with a caveat. The consistency is that frequency wins out. The caveat being, unless there's another factor to consider uh, when it comes to the less frequent mitzvah. The um, uh, re, um, an- another factor to consider, Ramosha Feinstein was actually um, did not did not subscribe to the Bikura Yaakov and felt strongly that since tefillah prayer is the more frequent of mitzvot, then that should come before lulav. And Rav Asher Weiss in an article points out that um, if you're going, it's true that prayer is an obligation that's more frequent. But if you're going to a minion, right, let's say you go to 9 o'clock minion on Sukkot morning here at Young Israel, 
and you wake up at 7.30. So even though technically there's an obligation of prayer at that moment, you're not praying. You're not praying until 9 o'clock, right? So do we say that the minute you wake up, you have to daven, even if it means not going to a minion? No, we know that a minion praying with a tzibor, with a congregation, has a, has a, has a value. And, and, and we almost view it as if right now, you don't have to pray. You woke up, you, don't, you say modani, right? You say some of those early things, but you don't have to say everything. You wait until you get to your minion. By the way, this also applies in other situations. There's an idea that um, you're not supposed to, uh, you're not supposed to uh, eat until you daven marav. Let's say you always daven marav at 10 o'clock. Do you have to wait till 10.30 to eat dinner every night? So the post can say, no, that's your, that's your davening time, right? And before that, it's okay. The same thing is true here, that uh, one could suggest if you're always going to a certain minion, then you can, you can shake your lulav earlier. And there's no, there's, no con- there's no conflict. It's like, it's similar to the idea, in theory, of where you don't have your talus in front of you, right? You don't have your minion yet. It's, it's 8 o'clock, you go to 9 o'clock, whatever the case is. So it's like not having the two mitzvot in front of you at the same time. Then, of course, you can choose whichever one you want. You could shake the lulav at an earlier, uh, at an earlier point. Um, I wanted to do this, uh, this tosvot, tosvot and brachot. Uh, it, it, it was mentioned before, karbonot, in the absence of karbonot, we now have tzvila. So will this find expression when it comes to tefillah? And here in the Tosvot, in Brachot, it actually does. I gave it to you in, in English, Care of Safaria. The halacha is that a person recites the afternoon prayer first and the additional prayer thereafter. The halacha would be, let's say, let's say it's Shabbos afternoon and you realize you haven't davened Musaf. You need to daven Musaf, but it's also Mincha time. So which one do you daven first? Right? So, we know, especially since they correspond to Karbana, right? So the Mincha corresponds to Tamid, and the Musaf corresponds to Musaf. So we saw that's the first source we have. Tamid comes first. So Mincha comes before Musaf. In general, we don't have that. Generally, that's what we do, right? First we dive in Shachrit, then we dive in Musaf. We daven Musaf at a time, right, that, that it's not yet time for Mincha yet. If it's not time for Mincha yet, then of course you daven Musaf, and then you daven Mincha when it's time for it. <coughs> um, right, so let's, go, let's, let's skip to the, the, uh, bold, the bolded words on the four, fifth line, last word. From here we learn that on Yom Kippur we should be careful to complete praying the Shacharit prayer before six and a half hours of the day have gone by, which is before the time to pray Mincha, for if one is not careful to start Musaf before six and a half hours, we will be required to pray Mincha before Musaf. Right? So, what we see here, the halacha would be, according to this first opinion in Tosvot, right, we, we, we start, uh, well, there's an early minyan, but most of our minyanim start at nine o'clock on Yom Kippur, because where's everyone going, right? There's no, there's no lunch, there's... You're fasting and in prayer till the end of the day. So you get a later start, that's fine. So it's 9 o'clock and, and things take a while. Let's say you don't start Musaf. Well, we always start Musaf before the time for Mincha. But let's say you didn't. Let's say it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon and it's just time to, you're just starting Musaf. Right? So the toast would say that you'd have to dive in Mincha first because it's time for Mincha. And, and it's time for Musaf, but Mincha takes precedence over Musaf when it comes to that uh, when it comes to that time period. What was that? It's funny. It was ready to happen right now. So kind of right, both of them are in front of you. You can choose either one, but no, but right, but not, but but the 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 Mincha corresponds to the more frequent uh, sacrifice, and therefore therefore it has to be done first, and then you can do the Musaf afterwards. However, if you skip down to the next piece and the re says that it is not necessary to pray Mincha prayers uh, six and a half hours on Yom Kippur before the Musaf prayer, for that which was said that one must pray the Mincha prayer earlier, 
that is when one has to take care of his needs and will not be able to pray the Mincha prayer at its time. And must therefore pray both prayers now. Again, if, if the time for Mincha has come, and, if it's, and it's now or never. Now and uh, exactly, that's what the re says. It's not now or never. But if it was now or never, then you have to pray Mincha first and then get on to Musaf. But, if, if, but in Shul, it's not now or never. We're, we're going to get to Mincha, don't worry. Later on in the afternoon, I assure you, Mincha's on the schedule. Right? And you're, not, you're not going to a party. You're not going to forget to dive in Mincha on Yom Kippur. Just stay in your seat. Come, to the, come at the assigned times and you'll be sure to uh, catch all the prayer services necessary for the day, right? Then, then it's not a problem. But it's an interesting uh, theoretical that, uh, that, the, that this idea of frequency goes so far as to suggest that we rearrange the order of prayers on Yom Kippur to be consistent with the value that frequency takes priority. We ultimately reject it for different reasons, but that's the extent to which we, we consider frequency to be of a primary, uh, a primary importance. Uh, just, to, just to end, uh, without, without giving sources, there are two other scenarios where Tadir Kodem, frequency, um, plays a role in determining how we conduct ourselves, also in the realm of prayers and blessings. This seems to be the, uh, the, 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 the most um, uh, emblematic scenarios where we deal with frequency being of primary importance is in the realm of carbono, which we started with, which, which uh, manifests itself today in the realm of prayers, of tefillah, and also in terms of brachot, which we saw a number of, with one or two instances we saw of mitzvot, tefillin and talis, uh, tefillah and uh, lulav, uh, that's what we've seen so far. So uh, an interesting, an interesting uh, question comes up um, a couple couple months from now when it's when it's time to when it's Rosh Chodesh Elul um, and you start saying Ledavid at the end of Shachrit and Marav and you also at the end of Shachrit say the special chapter of Tehillim for Rosh Chodesh like Barchinavshi. The question is, which one comes first? What was that? Why? Because you're saying it six times. Okay. The Dabna Hashem said, Rosh to Shemini Atzeret. Yeah, 80 times. And Baruch Hinafshi said, 12, 18 times. Right? Interesting question is asked. How do we view, t- what, is the, what is the definition of Tadir? Does it mean quantity? Or, 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 or frequency over the course of the year, oh. right? So that 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 is an interesting curveball. That's uh, uh, so the Mata Ephraim, for instance, says you say Barchi Nafshi first, and then you say Ladavid, because you say Barchi Nafshi all year long, and you and you say uh, Ladavid less than two months in a concentrated fashion, but less than two months. Others disagree. The Shagas Aryeh uh, seems to say otherwise. That Tadir is quantity. Whenever you say most, that's, uh, that, that, that's what is considered Tadir. But, but the Mata Ephraim, at least in this case, says what, what's considered Tadir is not what you do more times, but that what you do more consistently. Right? Is it quantity or consistency? And consistency over the course of the year, Barchi Nafshi is more consistent. Right? I mean, that's, um, by the way, that's true in a lot of areas, right? If you, uh, it's the difference between um, starvation dieting or eating right for months on end or going on a, going on a, a binge of, uh, of, 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 of exercise versus doing a little bit of exercise for the, for the long haul, right? I, so I can understand, I understand the Mata Ephraya. I can understand why, by the way, there's another factor. Just to be, to be honest, we like to do Ladavid at the end because it, 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 it plays into Shofar. Right? And at the last, whether you blow Shofar and say Ladavid or say Ladavid and blow Shofar, you want the Shofar to be at the end, so you have Ladavid at the end anyway. But it's an interesting point. What, is, what, is, what does Tadir mean? What is, what's, what's frequency? Is frequency 
the, the grand total, the, the, the total number of times you do something in a year, or is it the consistency of that act over the course of the year? And the last case is uh, something I spoke about on, um, on Pesach, Yach Nahaz. Yach Nahaz is when, um, is when uh, Yom, uh, Shabbos goes into, uh, when Yom, Shabbos goes into Yontif. Did I get it right? Yes. No, when Yontif goes in, when Shabbos goes into Yontif. Right? It's Shabbos and then it's Yontif, it's Saturday night, and you're making Avdallah on Shabbos, and you're making Kiddush on Yontif. So Monty Shabbos is the first night. Yeah. No, it's the yeah. Well, it could be the first or the second. Or the second. It could be the first or the second. Right, right. Because you're you have to make havdal because Shabbos is a different level than Yom Tov. So you need to make some form of havdalah, but you also have to make kiddush. So what's the order of those operations? So one of the that that the way we do it is Yachnahaz, Yayin, Borik Priyagafen, Kiddush, Mikadesh Yisrael. Bazmanim, right, or Mikaj Yisrael Viyom, whatever it is. Uh, and then you move on to elements of Havdalah. Ner is the Nun. Hey is Havdalah. And finally, you go back to the Yantav element, Zman, Shachianu. Shachianu is obviously on the Kiddush, not on the Havdalah. We don't make Shachianu on Havdalah. So one of the, what, there's a Machloket, Beit Hillel, Mechamai. Is the first bracha you make on Yayin, or is the first bracha you make on Kiddush? Right, so we do Yaknahaz. We ultimately hold like Beit Hillel. And part of the reason why we do so is because Yayin, the bracha on Yayin, is applicable every day. Right, if you listen to the news, you should drink a glass of wine every day. Right, red wine every day, a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of red wine. That's what they say this week. Let's see what they say next week. But Yayin is a bracha that's applicable every day. Kiddush is a bracha that's only applicable sometimes. So that's the Tadir. That's the, the more, cons- more frequent uh, bracha is Yayin, and therefore Yayin is the first bracha in Yachnahaz. Um, and so I, I would just end with um, where we began, that this idea that Tadir Kodem, that this idea that frequency is that which is most important, it takes precedence, it takes priority, except when it doesn't, and I hope you've enjoyed our little, um, little scenarios of when it doesn't take priority and why that might be, but fundamentally frequency, consistency, constancy in our lives is what halacha finds to be most admirable. It's what halacha finds to be most important and what wins out over any special unique situation. Unique situations are great, they're fun, they're memorable, but tadir kodem, that which is frequent and consistent and constant is what is most admirable and wins out in these uh, scenarios.